morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. This is Matt Fackerson. I've been here back in August, and uh, here I am again. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, I'll make you mad this time. You won't ask me to come back. <laughs> this morning, I want to uh, to preach to you, teach you, talk with you, whatever you want to call it, uh, from Psalm 96, and think about uh, some of the things we've already celebrated this morning. And I hope you're okay with me standing down here. I'd love to be with you uh, instead of above you. And so, uh, so I want to stand here down, down here with you. But I want to uh, talk together this morning kind of really about the mission of God. Uh, Lee um, greatly described this as he was um, baptizing uh, Tanzan. Yes. And so, uh, so I'm thankful for his, his uh, recalling to our attention Matthew 28. Is, it, is that my car? I think it's okay, fine. Um, so when we think about the mission of God, the purpose of God, uh, that's what we want to talk about this morning. It's not yours. Let's figure out whose it is, because that'll be a little bit, dis- a little bit distracting. That's fun. It's a fun distraction. You can go ahead and put, push play on that slideshow yeah, while it's not, it's not allowing you. <laughs> Who, whose is it? Who are we get to make fun of? It's fun because it's drawing attention to, and it's it's a good sermon illustration actually. That we use that uh, we want to talk to I want to talk to you this morning. I'm the Missions Mobilization Team Leader for the Baptist Convention in New Mexico, which I, t- I told you before back in August. The basic of my job is to help uh, send, send the church outside the church walls and go on mission for Jesus. Uh, but, I, but I really want to focus in on a little bit this morning that we aren't doing this, this work, this work of going on mission. Isn't a new thing. It's not a new thing in, for Hilo Valley Baptist Church. It's not a new thing for Hilo or for Cliff or for southwestern New Mexico. Really, we are a part of an ancient work. And by ancient, I mean older than any of us that are in this room. Older than anyone that you know. The oldest person that you know, it's this work that we're a part of is, is an ancient work. And I know some, sometimes for kids, they look at grandmas and they say, hey, they're ancient. Or sometimes maybe grandma looks at themselves and says, I feel ancient. You know, But really, we are joining in. We are joining in on an ancient work. A work that was started... Many, many years ago. And we get to, like we sang, uh, the old rugged cross. We get to join in on the glory of God. We get to join in on the mission of God. We get to be a part of this, this ancient work. And so particularly, specifically, um, as Southern Baptists, we are a part of an ancient work. Uh, it's really who we are at our core. Uh, the reason why we have a thing called the cooperative program is that like-minded churches like ourselves, the 338 or so churches in New Mexico, can cooperate together to really fulfill the kingdom, fulfill the gospel, uh, fulfill, you know, making, making disciples of all nations. So we get to be a part of this cooperative work. And maybe you're familiar with the, the IMB or the International Mission Board. Uh, the International Mission Board, here's, the, here's their kind of their, their statement here. Is really, the International Mission Board exists to reach the nation's together. 
And when we talk about, um, particularly in New Mexico, when we talk about reaching the nations, we're not just talking about like the Navajo Nation or Pueblos or the Nation of Silver City or the Nation of Western New Mexico University. We're really talking about reaching the nations of, of the world. And together, we reach the nations. And, and every Christmas time, you're familiar probably with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Just kind of raise your hand or shake your head if you're familiar with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And hopefully soon you should have received a packet of mail already um, that had your Lottie Moon Christmas offering envelopes and some info about that. And so you'll hear more about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering coming up. But I really want to just point out that 100% of your gifts to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering go to support, go to support missionaries. No administrative cost, uh, none of that. All the, the money that you give towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes directly towards towards gospel transformation, towards missionaries sharing the gospel to uh, what we call unreached or unengaged people groups. And we'll go to the next slide here. Uh, in 2021, here's just some stats for you uh, before I really preach the word. I just want to give you some, some info here. If you can read those, that's a long ways up there, so I'll try to read them for you. Um, 3,650 missionaries are supported, supported. So when you give here to the church, and your church gives to the cooperative program. A portion of, of, the, of your giving is going to support missionaries across the world. Uh, 592,000 people heard the gospel last year uh, through our International Mission Board missionaries. 592,000 people heard the gospel. 22,000 new churches, over 22,000 new churches were started. Uh, this is across the world. 176,000 new believers in 2021. So that's something to celebrate. You know that, um, that you're a part of this. So sometimes we can get a little, a little focused, small focused. And we think, uh, sometimes we look around and we say, you know, we're not reaching as many people as we hoped. Or, or in your particular history, not, not to be too, um, too uh, just pointed, but, you know, uh, with, a, with a, a rocky road that's happened, you know, over the past year, we can look and say, where, where are the rest of the people? Are, are wives are empty seats in the pew? And, and we think, are we really doing what God wants us to do? R remind yourself that you're a part of something greater than just here. You're, you're a part of a worldwide mission. An ancient work that's been going on for a long time. You know Napoleon in history? The little guy who had a great big vision. You know I'm talking about Napoleon from France? Uh, he gave all his soldiers, gave them a map of the world with the tricolors of France. He wanted to take the world for France. He wanted France to rule the world. And as Christians, that's, that's the same for us. It's just not the colors of France. It's the colors of Jesus' blood. It's the mission that we want the world to be worshiping Jesus. Here's a stat. 93 new people groups and places were engaged. We'll get to that in a second. 182,000 people received leadership training. Next slide, please, Eddie. Um, so Lottie Moon is this lady who, um, who gave her life to Christ uh, and then also gave her, her death to Christ because she died on the mission field. She died giving her life to Christ. And this is one of her statements. How many there are who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing, forgetting that the prime object of their salvation was that they should follow him, follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ in bringing back a lost world to God. I mean, this is the mission that Christ has set us upon. Lottie Moon was about this tall, and she gave her entire life to, uh, to, the, to the cause, to the mission of Jesus, to seek and save the lost. She gave everything she could. She died of starvation. All the money that was sent to her as, 
as a, as a missionary. She used that to to uh, to give to the Chinese people that she was working with. And so she died. She she literally died of starvation because she said those people need to hear the gospel, need to be recipients of God's blessing more than I do. And so uh, she. So it's just a quote that I wanted to read to you. Next slide, please, Eddie. The IMB states this, Dr. Paul Chitwood, who's the president of the IMB, he says the greatest problem is lostness. And the solution to that problem is the gospel. I mean, think about the, think about the world that we live in right now. And think about those bad things that you know about. Those things that are sinful. Those things that you recognize in the world, and you see them and you say, that ain't right. That's broken. What's, what is the reason for the brokenness? Maybe it's something that you learned on Tuesday when things didn't go politically the way that we thought they should go. Or maybe it's something that you've seen. Maybe you've watched a, a documentary or maybe you've seen something on Facebook and you're like, why in the world is the world the way that it is? The greatest problem is lostness. And the solution to that problem is the gospel. The gospel being the good news of Jesus. The reason why he came. The reason why we sing about the old red cross. Next slide, Eddie. So if that's the case, if the greatest problem in the world is lostness, and the solution is the gospel, then we, we should be a part of the solution. You ever been in marriage, and you recognize that there's a problem, and uh, one of the spouse points out real quickly, you're the problem. And you think, well, how am I the problem? I mean, does, does my spouse really know me that well? Well, instead of being the problem, let's be a part of the solution. And the part of the solution that we can be a part of is that ancient work, that gospel-centered work, that no longer having a small mission mind, but instead of, instead of having a biblical, biblically-rooted, mission-minded thought process, a mission-focused thought process. And I don't mean just by giving towards mission, but I mean you living your life on mission here in your local context. As soon as you exit these doors, like this is the locker room, and you're exiting these doors to go play on the, on the field, to go represent Christ, to be on mission for Him. Ancient work. Uh, when we talk about people groups, when you hear mission work, when you hear the word people group, we're talking about a group of people sharing a common ethnic identity and language. So in the world, sociologists say that there's about 11,000, almost 12,000 different people groups in the world. Some of you have different people groups even in your own home. Like I got four kids and a wife, and sometimes we look around like, we're not even part of the same people group around here. Y'all people are weird. <laughs> we, next slide, please, Eddie. So unreached people group would be a people group uh, that is unreached when less than 2% of the population is evangelical Christian. Less than 2% out of 100, if you do math, I'm not really good at it, but if you had 100 people, what's less than 2% of that 100 people? Somebody do the math. Oh, there we go. One is the number of that. So out of 100 people, only one person would be, would be a Christian. That's an unreached people group. Next slide, please. An engaged people group is a, is a people group engaged when a church planting strategy uh, or consi is consistent with evangelical faith and practice. So basically, an engaged people group would be like the people that you live around here. Gila Valley Baptist Church is here. There's more than 2% of you right here in town. And you, you have the gospel. And so we would consider this place that you're living in, though there's sin, though there's darkness, though there's lostness here, 
is still, you, you, you're not an unreached people group. There is still access to the gospel. But we have places around the world that there is zero access to the gospel. Next slide. Zero access to the gospel. And we call these unengaged and unreached people groups. There's about 3,100 in the world unengaged, unreached people groups. Meaning there's no one, there's no one taking the gospel to them. There's no gospel access for them. Now, why is this important? I mean, some, some of us may have the attitude, you know what? They're in those places for a reason. Well, if, if the problem is lostness and the only solution to it is the gospel, and the only way to heaven is Jesus, shouldn't, shouldn't we get to a point as believers, should we come to an understanding that Jesus is worthy of being proclaimed even to those unreached, unengaged people groups? Maybe they don't look like us or talk like us or sound like us. We know for sure they don't have the same mission or mentality or goals or purpose as we have. They are lost and separated from Christ. And Psalm 96, what we'll get to in a minute, declares to us that there is only one, only one name that's worthy of being worshipped. And in those 3,100 people groups, we know for certain that God is not being worshipped. That Jesus, the only one worthy of being worshipped, He is not being worshipped. And so we, have a, we are a part of an ancient work, but we still have a lot of work to do. Next slide. Next slide. But praise God, last year 93 new people groups were engaged in or reached. That means we together as Southern Baptists we funded through our cooperative program, through the Light of Christmas offering, we funded that missionaries would go to 93 new people groups and engage them with the gospel. And that's something to celebrate. Number one, you didn't have to go. Instead, you sent your money and someone else went for, for us on our, on our behalf. But there's still much work to be, to be done. And so I want to just plead with you this morning. If Jesus is worthy of you giving your life to him, and if you really believe that John 14, 6 says that he's the only way to the Father, that Jesus is the only way to the Father, we should join in on the ancient work of declaring who God is to the world. I mean, really, the mission of God is not that everyone in Gila or Cliff would come to this building. But the desire of God, the mission of God, is that everyone in, the, in Gila and Cliff in New Mexico, in all nations, would be with Him in heaven, would be in His presence forever, no longer separated from Him. And His desires of the whole world might be saved. And He's the only one worthy of being worshipped. Anybody have a great sports team that you love to proclaim and worship. I saw a Raiders hat earlier. I won't point out who had that Raiders hat on. I won't say that they're an unworthy team to worship, but there's got to be greater teams, right? There's got to be greater teams. I mean, we live, there's not, John says there's not. We live in a, in a world where there's many, many things that are worshiped. So, so turn in your Bible to Psalm 96, and let's read some of this together. We'll read the whole psalm together. And I think the next slide, I may have missed that, Eddie. You can just keep pushing. Uh, why? Yeah, why? Why, why am I here? Now, next slide. Psalm 96. The mission of God is this, that the entire world might worship 
repent. I mean, the reason why we have evangelism, the reason why we uh, share the good news, is because not everyone has, has accepted the good news. Some are still worshiping self. Some are worshiping false idols. Some ha who haven't even heard the good news of Jesus are worshiping animals, are worshiping creation. They're worshiping things that are unworthy of worship. Psalm 96 verse 1 says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all peoples. Notice here that the psalmist is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's really pleading with the Israelites. And he's saying, let's sing a new song together. Anybody know the, the number one single, top selling single of all time? This is talk back time. Anybody know the, what, what the number one selling single song of all time is? Just want to guess. Somebody want to guess? Somebody knows it. They don't want to say. It's a Christmas song. White Christmas. Number one selling song of all time. You know, in the Guinness Book of World Record, the song that's the tune that's most known, most, most known over all the world, what tune that is? It's an old song. Sometimes it gets older every year. <laughs> it's happy birthday. The psalmist isn't saying we're tired of the songs that we've been singing. I mean, I love Christmas music. I'm just glad Hannah picked a Christmas song this morning. I don't just listen to Christmas music during Christmas time. Like if I feel like listening to Christmas music, I'll put Christmas music on. This is the, it's the most uplifting music. It's not that we are singing lame or old songs. See, the newness of the song that the psalmist wants us to sing is that the, the good news is the Creator God desires for all nations to be a part of His tribe, to be a part of His family, that all nations be in His presence. Verse 3, declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all peoples. And I just tell you here, unless you're of Jewish descent, if you're not of Jewish descent, which I'm looking around and I'm just going to make an assumption here, most of us in this room aren't of Jewish descent. Praise God that we can sing a new song, that we can come into His presence, that we're not having to work our way, but instead He's provided a way into His presence. The, the mission of God is that all peoples, all nations be in His sheepfold. Be in his sheep pen. That all nations, all people would belong to him. Instead of separated, all nations would belong to him. So the mission of God, Missio Deo, is that all, all the world, all nations, all people, all people would belong to him. And we are a part of this mission. And sometimes we get really, really small focused. In fact, we could even say we get self-centered in a lot of ways. We live in a narcissistic society where everything is about us. We live in a selfie generation where we take selfies and post them. Jesus is all about denying self and he says, deny selfie. Don't take pictures of yourself. Instead, serve others. This mission that God has us on is a mission to reach all peoples, all nations, 
Because God is worthy of that. I don't know what the next slide is, Eddie. I forgot already. Um, but here's, here's kind of a, a statement. This guy named Kostenberger, he wrote this statement. But the mission of God is this. It's a grace-inspired, missional activity of God focused on both restoring the broken relationship between himself and wayward humanity and renewing all creation. God looks at the broken world and says it needs to be restored and renewed. Let's go on mission and let's be a part of that. God looks at the separation of the sinner and says those sinners need to be no longer separated, no longer wayward, but instead brought back to me. This is the mission of God. This is the... This is the mission that when a new believer comes into the sheepfold, when the new believer is resurrected from the dead, this is the purpose that a new believer now has. No longer living for self, 1 Corinthians 5 says, but instead now living, compelled by the love of God, living as an ambassador, as a minister of reconciliation, living on mission for God. No matter where you are, no matter where you are. I mean, the call for a Christian, for Christian is this, that we live on mission for Christ wherever we are. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's southwestern New Mexico or northeastern New Mexico or southeast Asia or some uh, godforsaken place that we might, you might have some idea of. We live on mission for God. Our purpose, our purpose is to be, be on mission and part of this mission of God. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the earth, or sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, tell of His salvation day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the people. This, in Psalm 96, this is the call to worship. This is the desire, the call to worship, that all peoples might worship God and God alone. Have you seen in your own life, or let's just play judgment for a second, have you seen in someone else's life, when they worship things that aren't worthy of being, of being worshipped. And the call here is that we as disciples of Jesus, we as people belonging to Jesus, the call to worship is this, that there is only one who's worthy of being worshipped. And let's go on mission and proclaim His worthiness to the world. Second part, 4-6 four, four through six says this, this is the reason why we worship. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So if you have any reason or any thought like, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Why should we even worship God? Why should we proclaim his excellencies to the world? Why should we sing songs about Christ and what He's done. Why should we sing and give our life to God? Why? Because He is greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. Worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. I used to serve and pastor uh, in southeastern New Mexico at First Baptist Lovington. In Lovington, we had a little donut stop called uh, Five Star Donuts. And they were five star, uh, in town at least, because they were the only donuts in town. So you can just give yourself five stars for that. <laughs> why, why not? Uh, and the donuts shop there was owned by a couple uh, who are Hindu, and every, or, sorry, who are Buddhist. And every morning, uh, the first donut 
every morning they offered in sacrifice to a little golden statue, a little Buddha. Before they served any, before they sold any donuts to anyone in town, they took their first donut and they offered this sacrifice to this little golden Buddha. And I, I can just tell you, like, you know, there's a moment when you're sitting in the donut shop and you see that donut now crusty sitting up at the, right before the Buddha and you look at it and you want to be judgmental and then you look down at your own golden belly and <laughs> the donut that you're about to, to eat and you think, wow, there's a hole in that sacrifice and there's a hole in this sacrifice offering to this Buddha. And you just look and say, in judgment, that is a worthless idol. That, that idol that they're offering sacrifice or worship to has no life in it at all. Has no life in it at all. And the call to worship here, the reason to worship is, we serve a, not a worthless God, but a worthy God. The only one worthy. We live in a competitive society. I already mentioned, you know, football or, or sports. We live in a competitive society. Can I just be real? Even We live in a competitive society even among churches, even among churches, even among Christian brothers and sisters. Well, I'm better than them. They're worse than me. Whatever the case may be, we cannot compete with God. No one can compete with God. We are either in contention with God or competition with God or we're in submission to God. And we recognize that he is the only one worthy of being worshipped. And we look at our, our sacrifices that we offer to God. And we're thankful that, that whatever sacrifice we might make to God, the ultimate sacrifice through Jesus has been paid. And the good news is he is making us worthy. Christ is making us worthy that we can, we can go into the presence of God with confidence because of the blood of Jesus. Verses 7 through, through 9 here. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in, in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Ascribe to the Lord. Give glory to his name. What does the word ascribe mean? I'll put the definition here. Ascribe means to attribute or think of as belonging or as a, a quality or a characteristic. What belongs to God? What belongs to God? Worship belongs to God. You belong to God. The church belongs to God. And even bigger than that, the world belongs to God. We attribute to Him. We ascribe to Him what belongs to Him. It says, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. We live in a society, I talked about competitiveness. Uh, when we compete with God, competition drives our world. And we can't compete with the power and the strength of the God, but yet we, we still try and do that. We try and compete with the Lord. The word glory, when you, when you read the word glory in the Old Testament, maybe you already know this, the Hebrew word here, really means to weigh out. Think old school scales. You've got you know, a, a balanced scale here. And whichever one is heavier is the one we say has more value. Has more value. <laughs> Some of you are like, hey, I like the way this value works. Because <laughs> when I stand on those scales, huh, I got more value to my life. 
That's a funny joke, and later you'll get it. <laughs> when we say ascribe or give glory to the name, we're saying that he has the most value, that nothing outweighs him, that he's the most. We ascribe glory to his we ascribe glory to his name. To his name. Anyone ever been to Starbucks? I know you don't have one here. I looked. There's not <laughs> one person's been to Starbucks. You know what Starbucks is, though. A couple yeah. people have been to Starbucks. Okay. Starbucks is interesting uh, because it's not even that good, but yet they sell a whole bunch of coffee. Uh, they've made their life purpose about putting a Starbucks in every corner, and I think soon you'll have one here, I'm guessing. <laughs> Starbucks, uh, you know, they have different sizes, and they don't just say small, medium, and large, right? they gotta, they got to be creative, right? So you have your smallest cup, and it's, uh, the smallest cup is called the Demi, like a demigod. <laughs> And then up from that, I think it's called the short, and that's like the kid's hot chocolate. And then the next one from the short would be what? Tall. Tall. Yeah, so tall is the small, really, right? And then the medium is called what? Grande. Which if you're any kind of linguist, if you know anything about languages, or what does grande mean? It means big, large. Right, yeah, yeah. But it's not the largest. I mean, when you order it, you're thinking, wow, grande, what all am I getting here? And then you look at the menu and you realize, wait, grande's not the biggest? There's something bigger than grande? So there's a venti. And then if you really dive into it, Starbucks is like, man, we got, we got to sell more. And venti's not big enough, so let's sell the, what's the bigger than venti? Anybody know? It's 30 in Spanish if you want to say it. 30, yeah. I mean, this is, this is how, at some point... At some point, Starbucks is going to say, we're not selling enough. These people want more. Let's give them another one. And then you look at the, you look at the progression, you think, we went from grande, which is supposed to be the biggest, the largest, and yet we're not. I mean, that's what's happening in our world today. People go to things and they give their life to something and think, this is going to be the greatest thing. This is going to be the grandest thing in the world. And they fall down and worship it, and they realize the Texas Rangers aren't that great. <laughs> or they think, I mean, whatever the case may be, whatever is they were falling down to worship. Maybe it's a maybe it's a status. Maybe it's a, a number in your bank account. Maybe it's a, you you figure it out, whatever it is. We think it's the the grande of life. And then we read. Scripture. And then our eyes are opened up and we realize it's not the grande. It's not the greatest thing. It's not the thing with, with the most splendor. Instead, there's something greater. There's something greater. And when we worship, when we worship and when the world worships worthless idols, they always fall short. Napoleon wanted the world. He didn't get it. He fell short. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. <clears throat> Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Give credit to where credit is due. Give honor to where honor is due. I, I feel like we live in a, in a society where we read Isaiah 40. And we, we get so excited 
that our youth can, can be renewed, that we can mount up on wings, on wings of eagles, and yet we are satisfied with mounting up on wings of buzzards. I mean, we, we, we settle so much, and the world settles so much for things that pale in comparison to Jesus. For things that are no competition with God at all. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. And then lastly, verses 10 through 13. Say among the nations, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the, the world is established and it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. The Lord reigns. The song here is, is reminding us of this great mission. That there is only one God. The Lord, Yahweh. And He is the only one who reigns. He is the only one who reigns. And praise be to Him that He judges the people with equity. And your equity is not found in yourself. It's not found in your net worth. It's not found in your last name or your first name. It's not found in your Sunday school attendance records. It's not found in how often you shared the gospel or how much you didn't share the gospel. Your equity, what you and I and the world would be judged in, is found in the blood of Jesus. You should have said amen. Let the, let the heavens be glad. And let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. Notice that the, the created world recognizes. Praise be to God that he judges the people in equity. That he judges them not in themselves, but he judges them righteously. He judges them through the blood of Jesus. He judges them through a worthy judgment. He, he judges them not according to who they are, but he judges them according to who he is. Now, now the problem is, that the greatest problem is losses. And there are many in the world, many in this area of the world, who will be judged in their own equity. Because they have confessed Christ as Lord. They will receive the forgiveness of sins that's only found through Jesus. And their judgment will be found, and they will be responsible for their own sin. The good news is that there's a, a way not to be judged from that. But notice that creation rejoices, rejoices. Let the heavens be glad, and the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it. Let the field exalt, and everything in it. Notice that at, at some point in history, the entire world, all created world, will be worshiping the one true God. Not because of who they are, but because of who He is. Then shall all the trees of the forest uh, sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes, for He comes to judge the earth. Verse, the end of verse 13. And He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. In His faithfulness. How does one become righteous? These unreached people groups that we've talked about. Your neighbor, your family member, your kid. How, 
How do they become you? How do you become righteous before the Lord? Only through the blood of Jesus. Only through the blood of Jesus. He will judge the world in righteousness. Confess Christ as Lord. Become righteous as He's righteous. And all the peoples in His faithfulness. The judgment that's coming upon you, that's coming upon the whole world, that judgment comes through the faithfulness, through God's faithfulness. That righteous judgment comes through what Christ has done for us. We are a part of an ancient work. And if you are a follower of Jesus, stay on mission for Jesus. Remind yourself your purpose. Remind yourself of the, the grand, the grand, splendorous, glorious mission that God has us on. The, the mission that all the world might worship Him and Him alone. And here's the crazy thing about the gospel. The crazy thing about what Christ has done for us. The mission of God is that God might be glorified in all the world. And the good news of the gospel tells us that one day those who belong to God, one day those who've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, they will be glorified with him. One day. Your day is not today. My day is not today. Today we're not here to glorify ourselves, but today we are here to glorify God. One day, though, the gospel says we will be glorified with him. And it's crazy to think about because we are undeserving of that. But our great God, grace-filled, grace-filled, loving God desires that He be glorified and those belonging to Him be glorified with Him as well. We are part of an ancient work. And I would say this, remind yourselves that you are a part of an ancient work. And if you say, hey, I need to know, like, what do I do? What do I do? What's my first step? I would say give. Give to the cooperative program. Give to the church. Give to things like Operation Christmas Child. Give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That's a simple, kind of easy step. Here's a dollar. Lord, send it to your kingdom and make it work. Send it that the gospel may be proclaimed to the world. I would say pray. Pray, Lord, use me. Not for my own glory. I don't want to be a selfish person, but use me for your glory. And then I would say go. Go across the room. Go across the road. Go across the state. Go across the world. Go and proclaim God. Because He is worthy of you going. Because He is worthy of you praying. Because He's worthy of you giving. Let me pray for you. God, help us today. As we respond. That we even sing a song that has the word sanctuary in it. God, I pray that we will respond to you in a way that glorifies you. If there's someone here this morning, God, that has their salvation equity built up in themselves, thinking that they'll be able to stand before you and be forgiven, stand before you and be righteous, God, I pray continue to bring conviction, draw them to yourself. Maybe today they would confess Christ as Lord and be saved, be reconciled to you. For the believer here this morning, God, for the, for the church member, God, I pray that you would encourage them and give them confidence to live on mission for you. No longer settling for worthless things, but instead aspiring, God, to live 
wholeheartedly for you. Because only you are worthy of worship. God, help us, even in this moment, through singing, to worship you and give glory to where glory is due. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Always stand together.